Hey, yo, and here we go. Another episode of Week Off Music is on the air and in your ear. Once again, I am Martin, and I have with me the King of the Casters, Mr. Brett Podcast. Brett, why don't you tell everybody who's today's exciting guest? All right, well, we have a wonderful vocalist, and he's from Canada, so that makes it even better, because we love we love our Canadians here on the show. So anyways, we have, he's doing a solo project right now, DR Groove, but we have Danny Rossi. Uh, welcome back to the show, Danny. How are you? Fantastic, man. Thanks for having me. Well, we're always happy to have you on the show. Uh, last time we were talking about the outliers. This time we're going to talk about Dr. Groove. So I assume that's it's not Doctor Groove, right? It's Dr. Groove. Well, <laughs> um, I, I guess we were coming back to the, just calling it Doctor Groove. Um, <laughs> I think I was I was doing an interview with some guys in I think Illinois, and they're like, you know, I go, look, it's Doctor, but it's not Doctor, man. I'm not a doctor, man. I'm just I'm a musician, <laughs> you know. Um, it's just my initials, but it kind of sounds cool. So it's like Doctor, but capital letters, no period, I guess, instead of a capital D, small R, you know, <laughs> if you want to really refine the details. But we'll just call it Doctor Groove. Yeah. Okay, fair enough, Doctor Groove. Well, consider me, you know, told. So anyways, <laughs> I mean, you've got the new song, Intoxicated, You're All I Need. Um and and I mean it's a really good song. So first off, where did the song come from? Like, how long have you had it kicking around? Because I guess with this whole project, you've you've just taken stuff that you've had lying around for a while. Um, yeah, um, I mean, after we started the Outliers with my buddies, and we released our first song, and we were like, we all really enjoyed doing it. So we're like, okay, let's go. And like, you know, John and I, the the guitar player, John and I were throwing riffs back and forth to each other. And I said, you know, dude, I can go listen to this riff. I had it for a few years, you know, and it was the opening riff of, of this intoxicated song. And, uh, and he's like, that's cool. He goes, what if I did this, you know? And now we have a totally new riff <laughs> for the outliers. It doesn't sound anything like this. And I was like, and it's really wild what he did. I was like, wow. And we just been writing music, but I'm like, you know, this riff can still go somewhere. And so I just kept working on it till I just, one day, I swear to God, standing right here with facing that way with all my stuff behind me. And I just, I was like, wow, wait, oh, okay. This is where I go. And oh, here, done. Like five minutes later, my song was done. And I had that riff lying around for probably three, four, five years. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> it's just maybe longer. I, I just, I know it's like the first two notes have been around forever. Isn't it amazing how you can get somewhere from two notes? I, I swear it was like... I just like sonically the way it caught my ear, like the opening note. It was just like, I like this. I like where this is going, but where do I go with it? You know, that's, that was the whole thing. And uh, that's why I kept it around because or else it would have been forgotten if it wasn't that good. Do you, uh, do you record these things into your phone or something like that? The riffs or, you know, or do you just kind of hold on to them in your memory or what do you do with all of them? No, I don't trust my memory for anything. <laughs> <laughs> <At all. laughs> I actually I, I always keep my phone with me and see that black thing back there that's my humidifier and I usually have it like leaning against it you know and uh and I uh I just record everything as soon as I like something I play it a few times find out where I'm going and and then I record it make sure I have it in my phone and I make sure I don't lose it I am uh fascinated by what you, you mentioned what's in the background I'm fascinated by all those guitars and how cool they look and i'm wondering how many you have is that's not all of them i'm guessing no there's a few more uh, some of the retired stuff is on that side yeah if i turn <laughs> my screen for you guys <laughs> i got some retired stuff on that side uh, not the acoustic guitar but my old acoustic down there somewhere and a bunch of other stuff my, my first bass when i was a teenager um i wanted to play bass i wasn't even a singer when i started you know um and uh yeah that's it's i you know, once in a while, I'll pick them up for nostalgia, but uh, I, I enjoy playing all my newer stuff. That sounds better too, right? <laughs> yeah, and that Motley Crue, Dr. Feelgood album there, that's like the coolest thing I've seen in a while. <laughs> Thank you. It's one of those uh, those souvenir replicas, you know, those uh, like one of 300. My fiance had got it for me uh, when we first started dating uh, for our first Christmas. And it's, you know, so there's only 300 of those replicas made, so... Was Motley Crue a big uh, inspiration for you? Were you a big fan? Is that the, the thing or that album particularly uh, mean something to you? Um, actually, was it that album? I, I, was, I was young. Motley Crue was the reason I started playing music. 
Um, I, I had an older cousin and, uh, and he and my, my older brother are the same age. And I used to hang around with my, with his younger brother, who was my age. And, uh, and he's, we went over once our parents went out or something. And he's like, he goes, Hey guys, check this out. You know? And he pops in the home video. It was a VHS or maybe even a Betamax tape back then. We were little kids of, uh, what was it called? Uncensored. Motley Crue Uncensored. Yep, yep. Right before, was oh, that before yes. Girls, Girls was coming out? Or, or yeah, I think it was think before it, Girls, Girls, Girls was yeah, coming out. Yeah, and it was like, yeah, Vince Neil's like in the, like he's got a limo, but the back of the limo is a, an open hot tub outside. And he's driving up and down I the remember Sunset Strip and he's there. Yeah, and he's there like he's got his arm around yeah. two blondes and doing the interview in a hot tub connected to a limo and I was like wow I just want to live this lifestyle you know <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but but it, I mean that's that first caught my eye but then I listened to the music and I, I just really loved it I really loved how catchy the music was with the, the riffy rock and and then you you go I got really deep into it and how they always kind of changed when everybody started doing what they did because it was successful and they don't get, I think they don't get enough credit for this, that they always changed uh, their style, their look and adapted to something different because everybody was adapting to their look at that time, just maybe kind of, you know, ride their coattails. And uh, I, I really like that. I really like that, that they kind of led a whole movement and they call it glam rock, but, but they got out of glam rock pretty quick and everybody else was still doing it. Hmm. Now, you, did you, uh, you didn't grow up then in a musical family or anything like that? But... Um, I have uh, my uncles play guitar. Um, so there was always like, you know, singing at Christmas time and whatnot when the whole family was together, but not my parents. No, nothing. You know, it was just, uh, mm -hmm. but music, just something. It got me. So you just want to kind of understand your journey here. So you, you wanted to play bass. How did you start singing? When did you realize uh, I have this talent? Um, I, I would practice nonstop bass and it's like my brain and my fingers were not working together and I just couldn't get over like a, a hump, you know? Um, and, and bass is important to me. I wanted to be really groovy in, in a band. And, um, and then for a lack of being able to find a singer when I was young, I just started singing, you know, to, you know, okay, we try out a singer, this and that, but I was just singing all the time and didn't take long till I was like, man, I am much better at singing than I am at playing bass. <laughs> so, so maybe I should, I should switch over and you know, and then you pick up a guitar and maybe I can just hit some open chords. Cause it looks cool when the singer picks up a guitar sometimes, you know, and that's, that's basically what happened for me. It was, it was really, uh, it was really like, I enjoyed singing more. I, oh, yeah. I can imagine. Cool. Cause yeah, I think, Especially well, when it comes to the bass, but I mean, you now that you are Doctor Groove, I mean, you, maybe you need to to try to play the bass again. <laughs> but you do you a know bit. What? Yeah. Well, I wrote everything on this song except for the guitar solo and uh, the drums. So basically, with my my producer uh, and friend Kevin Jardine, uh, we I went to his house with with the collection of music I have, and we basically recorded well i don't record any of the music except the vocals so i showed him everything i got then he started recording scratch tracks for me then we would go into those drum programs and kind of find the groove we wanted to go with the song or, or i would basically explain my idea uh with some lyrics and melody this is how it's going he goes okay let's find this it was like it's a lot of work but it's a lot of fun and uh and so he'd send me that scratch track of guitar with the the electronic drums from the program uh, and then I'd get home and I'd plug in my bass and I'd write bass lines. So then when I'd have everything, go back to the studio and, okay, here we go. Here's my bass lines, show him, okay. You know, obviously he, he's uh, an amazing musician, so he'd just clean it up, basically. He goes, okay, let's add a couple of notes here and let's put a little bit of this and maybe, okay, let's just switch. And So he does his job as a producer to make my music that much better, you know. So it's intoxicated. Which but yeah, I, I, I had to go back. <laughs> intoxicated uh, is a really good song. I really, I really dig it. It is very groovy. It's very catchy. Um, is it kind of then indicative of what we're going to get for the entire album, or is it going to be a whole bunch of different styles? Um, it's all going to be very different. I, I didn't want to write 
a certain style because I've done that. I had a band where we had, you know, this is the whole album. This is the feel. Uh, right now I'm writing with whatever I feel. So one song is going to be really heavy. Um, I've got this ballad that's kind of like, I guess you can say Alice in Chains meets Stained kind of thing, kind of a vibe. But um, I, I just didn't put any limits on it. I said, if I feel it, I'm, I'm recording it. And I don't care if it all sounds like, if it's like, you know, a bad acid trip taking you up and down and sideways. <laughs> okay, cool. I don't, I don't care. As long as you enjoy the music, you, you can mix it in with other playlists if you have to. But I'm writing from the heart and, and I'm not putting limitations or a kind of vibe to what I'm doing. I just wanted it's, the only vibe is that it's got to be groovy, whether it's heavy or soft. That's got to be really freeing creatively to be able to just do what you, what you feel, right? It really is. And it's a lot of work because I'm doing everything by myself <laughs> to get it rolling. Yeah. <laughs> I was going back. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I like to put more work on, on my shoulders, you know, like let's, let's do a little extra. This wasn't enough. Let's do more. And uh, I need more of this. And I think I should do that. And it, it never ends. But, uh, you know, as discouraged as sometimes I was trying to get this single out, the first time I heard it mixed, I was like, okay, it was worth three months of work. It really was. Like you just, just a feeling of satisfaction. And even, you know, when I listen to it in the car, sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, yeah I'm so happy I did this. And I can't wait to get the rest done. So then it, tell us about that three months of work that it took to kind of get this song out here so that we're listening to it. Okay, so basically going to studio and I, I wasn't planning to release anything right away. I was planning to just record the material and then like I always did and then the album is ready or it's just about ready. This is the single, I'm going to release it. But I heard this song and it was just that drum program and the scratch guitar. And right away, I pick up the phone. Kevin, yeah, listen, change of plans. He goes, of course. Like, he knows I'm a bit neurotic. <laughs> so he laughs at me all the time. We, we all have a good time, but uh, he's laughing. And he's like, okay, what? I said, we're putting everything on hold. We're finishing this song. And I want to release it. Then when I'm done and send, you know, promo and all this stuff, then I'll come back. Even if it's in three, four months, I'll come back and do the rest of the music. And, and finish recording everything. And he's like, okay, dude, whatever you want, as long as you don't mind, the drums might not sound exactly the same. I go, dude, I don't care. <laughs> Be, having a, a different drummer play on each song is going to make the song sound different anyway. So let's, who cares? And he's like, okay, cool. So we got to that. Um, we I wrote the bass lines at this point. We record the guitars. We record the, uh, sorry, we bring in a drummer, a good friend of mine. Um, bring in, uh, well, Kevin records guitars uh, and bass for me. I record the vocals and then ask my buddy, John from the outliers, John, what do you think of this song? And he's like, wow, dude, that's really cool. I'm like, uh, well, look, dude, I haven't asked anybody yet. The guitar solo is yours if you want it. And he's like, I was hoping you were going to ask. And I was like, yes, that's the attitude I want from people. I want people to get on board with this project that, that you know, I want them. I don't want to like pay studio musicians to, to come in and, and just record. I want people to be involved because they think it's fun. And so like a lot of people have been reaching out to me. I've been reaching out to people. Hey, what do you think? And, and so far the reaction is great. So good. John is in for the guitar solo. Uh, but now I get these crazy ideas where I need to do something. So basically my first chorus for this song was you're all I need. Those, the song wasn't called intoxicated. The whole song was you're all I need. I have You're All I Need repeated twice. I was going very minimalist in the chorus and letting just the, the open chords give the whole vibe. And Kevin looks at me, he goes, not enough lyrics, too repetitive. I'm like, I repeat it twice, but okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> repetitive, no problem. But I'm glad he said that because as soon as he did, I came with this, this chorus here. But then I'm like, wait a minute. I go, I need something more. And that's how the outro came about and creating a choir. But before creating a choir with my singer friends, I had this grandiose of getting, idea of getting a gospel choir. <laughs> so now <laughs> I'm searching for a gospel choir in Montreal. And uh, my buddy, John, again, from the Outliers, he has a friend. 
uh, who's in a gospel choir. I spoke to her for a little bit. We were trying to get something going. It didn't work out. It was going actually going way too slow for my liking. Like when I have an idea, it's got to be done yesterday, not tomorrow, not next week. It's got to be, it's a, I have the idea it should have been done already. So uh, like, I have no patience for anybody. So I'm like, it's okay. It's taking too long. It's all good. Idea number two, call up all my friends. And everybody jumped on board to the point where I was like, okay, we have too many singers. Kevin's like, okay, stop. No more singers. None. I can't have any more. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So we stopped at 10 people. And I had uh, probably another four or five who, uh, who I had to cancel on that were confirmed. And then a bunch of others who said, uh, let's schedule when I can come in. And we never scheduled them, thank God. But I only had to cancel on four or five people. Did they all come to... The, uh, the... Oh, no, go ahead. I was that's that was it. That's, that's what I did for three, four months to get the song going. Did you, is it recorded the song in your, in a home studio or? Uh, no, it's at the Kevin's studio. Kevin's studio. Uh, the only person who didn't record there, it's Uplift, uh, Uplift uh, Recording Studio in Montreal. The, the Canadian band Slaves on Dope. Kevin Jardine was the guitar player. You know, they were on OzFest, assigned to uh, Ozzy's label and everything back in the day. Um, um, we record everything at the studio except my buddy John, who has what he needs at home to record and send the tracks to Kevin for the guitar. Okay. Just the solo, basically, was not recorded there. Oh, sorry. And one of the vocals, uh, my buddy Tommy Gibbons in uh, Arizona, he recorded the backup vocals for me uh, in between tours with his band. Uh, he was home. He has a studio. I asked him, he goes, oh, you caught me at a good time. I'm home. An hour later, he sends me the tracks. He goes, here, give this to your producer. He'll know what to do. I'm like, dude, I love you. Thank you. <laughs> and he's like, hit me up if you have any metal and you want some shredding. He's a super shredder. I'm like, dude, oh, yeah. for sure, man. <laughs> I, I love that. I love when people are so excited to be part of something with you. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, so then, I mean, obviously you're involving a lot of people and you know a lot of people. Um, when, when the time comes to kind of get back to the rest of it, well then, how do you see it progressing? Like, how like do you have an anticipation of how long it's going to take to get everything done? Or does that not really matter as long as it's right? Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter as long as it's right. And what I love about Kevin is he's going to say, okay, that's enough now. Because you can pick out a song forever. Right? Like, the song was done. I was waiting for the people to come in to record background vocals. And I'm like, oh, wait, what if I do this for the bass line? I'm already wanting to change the bass line because I listened to it in the car and I shouldn't be doing that. You should only be listening to it when it's done because now it's too late, but it's because it, it, it'll never end. So you need the producer to go, that's it. We don't need any more on this. It's done here and done like that because it, you'll never release a song. So then when it comes to, uh, to Kevin himself, like what is it that kind of um, like, when did you two become friends and like, what, what is it that draws you to him and him to you and, and gives you that kind of good working relationship? Um, I think with my last band, uh, it was our second album. We were looking for, uh, for something different and maybe somebody with a little more knowledge and a little more experience. And, and obviously, you know, this is 2009. It was also price, you know, some people, you know, with zero experience want to charge you like $3,000 a song and like ridiculous prices. You're like, dude, I mean, where's your Grammy? Like, I don't see anything on your wall. You want $3,000 a song, you know, it's like, okay. Um, but, but a lot of people are expensive. Um, but we went to meet with Kevin. He made us listen to stuff he's done and his prices were like, just like, so reasonable but like you're like you sure that's it and this is what it's going to sound like he's like yeah man and he's just a, he honed his craft he's just amazing at uh, at what he does so um i'd recorded three albums and some singles with him and like we, we just became friends you know it's like okay somebody's birthday come on over barbecues and stuff like that you know uh here and there so it was like we just get along and then it's the the straight straight out you know he'll tell you to do this is not going to sound good you sure yeah I want to try it. I'm going to try it. You know, so I sing something, you play it back and you're like, yeah, he's right. So after a while, like, you know, like now at this point, you know, all these years later, I'm like, I hear something and I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're going to redo that. I know it's no good. You know, if I write lyrics, I'm like, is Kevin going to hate this? 
you know, because <laughs> we, we, we always bring back a joke 15 years later that uh, from the first album I did with him, he told me some lyrics were crap. And I was like, dude, dude that's my heart and soul. I just poured onto a piece of paper. You're telling me this, you know, <laughs> but, um, and, and then just, to, I, I love telling the story. He, he really didn't like them, but we ended up finding some great lyrics to replace them, if not maybe even better. And he's like, but we were arguing not badly, but just to the point where he's like, he goes, I will not produce an album that has these lyrics on it. I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't put my name. Like, this is how passionate he was about hating those lyrics. And I was like, wow, dude, okay, fine, man. Okay, we'll change them. And, uh, and when it came to the liner notes, when you thank everybody, and, you know, thanks, Kevin, for, uh, you know, putting up with us and, uh, and, uh, and for pushing me, making me better, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, and I wrote those lyrics down and it was on the doorstep of an angry cry or something like that. And I'm like, see, I told you this, these lyrics would get on the album, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we, we still have a good laugh. He, he brought it up the other day <laughs> when I was at his place <laughs> and we, we just laugh. So it's, it's a, a friendship that's developed over years and, and trust, you know, like uh, he goes, give me an idea. And I'm like, I, I said, thanks, dude. That was an awesome idea. And he's like, dude, thank you for trusting me with your art. It's like, it's just great. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, so then is it really important? I, I think from other people that we've talked to, I mean, you know, having those people that have bad attitudes, I mean, obviously they still get work done, but how much more important is it to have like a good attitude, especially when you're not Motley Crue or something like that, you know, a member of, uh, of a big band like that? You have to have a good attitude, man. You, you can't go. I mean, as a singer, I can't go into the studio and fake it. Uh, you know, it, it, it comes out in the voice. Like, you have to really be feeling that that day. And sometimes it, it, it's not happening. And you got to know that just, to, you know, shut it down and come back another day. Because, you know, you, you hear it. You hear it. You can't fake it. You know, maybe instruments, you can fake it. You know, but, but the, the, the passion in the vocals... I, I've never been able to fake it. Maybe I'm not that good. You know? <laughs> I don't think that's the case. I think you're that good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> where do you, like, where does your mind go to when you're singing, when you're in a studio and you're, you're focused and you're, is it, uh, are, you, are you picturing the lyrics visually or are you just uh, in some other place? What are you kind of, what kind of state are you in? Uh, it, it depends on the song in studio. It's, it's kind of strange because you can't move around too much. Like you would live or if you're singing in the car, bouncing your head and you kind of got to stay there and the microphone is like there and you got to be like into it. Um, so that way I think way back in the day was the hardest thing for me is to sit still and then feel it. So most of the time I, I close my eyes. Uh, unless I don't know the lyrics to the song yet, then I have to kind of peek at my my, my sheets, <laughs> my sheet music with my lyrics on it. But uh, but yeah, you you have to kind of, you know, you have well, first of all, you have your story, whatever it might mean to you. So you have to be kind of thinking of that story, uh, whatever you wrote about, to to be able to feel what you what you wrote down and and then to sing it. Do you think it's important for a uh, a singer to be able to have written the lyrics? And do you think it helps them connect to the song? Um, you know what? For me, it is. Uh, I remember a long time ago when, you know, we first had a band, we had a member who used to write a lot of lyrics with me. And, um, and when they're not like, I'm like, dude, I don't feel that. Yeah, but they're good. They're good. And, uh, so you kind of just appease everybody. You're like, okay. Um, I, I know some people can fake it. Some people are just like, amazing that they can do it for me it's very difficult to sing somebody else's uh words and and deliver it with passion unless they had some sort of a great story and i feel that right and of course when you're on stage i guess you're just feeding off the energy of the crowd so your your mind is in a totally different place too oh yeah oh, live is the, the one thing i miss the most in the last few years it's uh, god mm -hmm. I love entertaining people. I like making people happy, you know, so see the smiles on people's faces or just people getting into the, into the music. It's one of the most amazing things. So lyrically, when you're writing, does you, do you uh, go back and forth and work on it and work on it? Or do you kind of let the lyrics come out 
naturally the way that they are the first time, or is it a mixture? Yeah, it, it's really a mixture. It's both. Uh, sometimes, sometimes you write something and you think it's like the best thing ever, and you get a, a producer that you trust. And he tells you, like, yeah, dude, you're going to have to fix this. It's, uh, I go, really? I go, it's so deep. He's like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's really not. I'm like, okay. You know, and, and other times you, you write something in two minutes and it's, uh, and it's just perfect. And then sometimes you just change a word or, again, in studio or even other members uh, of a band will tell you, what if you did something a little different or changed the the way, you know, it, your up and downs are going and you're like, oh yeah, it's true. Maybe that, and it can change everything, but it's really a mixture of both. Like this, you have some come out in two minutes and some, some you rework them till they're perfect. And sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's not to rework lyrics and, and melody. Well, I, I have a friend of mine, he's a writer and he says, this is about story writing, but uh, you know, like a novel writing, he says, good writing is rewriting. And so I guess that would hold true when you're doing lyrics too. The good writing is rewriting. I, I would agree. I would agree if, 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 if you, if they're not good enough, then you should rework it. But if they're good enough, then you should, and you're happy with it. That's great. Yeah. It's not about your ego. It's about the music, right? I always find it to serve the song, to serve the song and to, to serve growing up and listening to music like Motley Crue, I, I, I want people to, to sing along. I want people to hear it and go, oh my God, that's catchy. I'm not saying I write the catchiest music all the time, but, but that's, that's my intention is to have people be able to, to sing along with me because sometimes you're running around on stage, you're out of breath and you just go like this, you know, you just hold up the <laughs> microphone and people are singing for you. you know, it's, it's, it's one of the best feelings ever. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, really, that's 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 what it is. Well, it's it's so interesting, right? Because when you when you think of lyrics, but then you think of music, and and I mean the 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 fact that they all do have to come together. Because I mean, when you look at say the Rolling Stones, and I mean, I can't get no satisfaction. The, if you look at the lyrics themselves, they're not spectacular. They are pretty repetitive, but everybody and their dog knows I can't get no satisfaction. So it's yeah. like, you know, maybe talk about like the, how it doesn't sometimes, you know, the lyrics, you know, it's so, the music is so important when they go with the lyrics and blend properly. Oh, like, without a doubt. And how do you know for you when you hit that point? Um, it just feels good. I think sometimes if you're working too hard to get stuff in, it's, it's not necessarily good. And, um, and I realize sometimes you have to sacrifice your story because every, every song is a story, right? Now you want to explain all this stuff and in detail, but you can't because you have such limited time and space. So you have to sacrifice what you want to say, make a really short version of it, make sure it fits and serves the song. That's, that's what I end up doing because or else I can, like you guys were talking here and I'm yapping away, you know, it's like I can talk <laughs> and forever and I can do that too for lyrics too. Well, it's good that you're talking. People aren't here to hear us. Here to hear you. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we were doing all the talking, then, then this would be a really bad interview. I've so. seen interviews like that where the, the interviewer does more of the talking and you're like, dude, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what are we making? I, I, I've, done them. I've done that's them in it. the past. <laughs> I did them in the past where, you know, it's like, a, you know, you ask one question, I say, Yes, I haven't finished the rest of my sentence. I was like, because see, when I was there, I was like, okay, dude, let's make this about you. Yeah. I'm in all on your show, but let's make this about you. Sure. It's okay. Yeah, yeah those people, uh, again, you got to get it. You got to get it. All right. yeah. when, you're, uh, when you're performing live, do you have a, like uh, any rituals you do before the show? Anything you do or any, anything to get in the right mindset? Um. I just like to have a few minutes and usually to myself and usually I'm, I get 
six minutes and was it 15 or, t- or 30 seconds where I do my, my warm up exercises just to get my voice ready. And I like to be alone when I do that because it's, they're kind of silly and embarrassing. I don't know if you've ever seen them, like the people <laughs> warming up their voices. Everybody's got different ones, you know, and, and, and it always makes me laugh because I'll tell people, I, said, I go, yeah, I go, every time I think mine are silly, I watch James Hetfield <laughs> and this Mr. Big Metallica is going through, oh yeah, is going, mommy, 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 mommy. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. <laughs> but whatever works for you, but that's where I get my piece basically is that, that six and a half minutes for, for my vocal warm up. That's, I get my, my head into the game. Into the game. Are you vocally trying to push yourself all the time or are you comfortable knowing what you're good at and you just want to master that? Uh, both, both really. Um, see, with my old band, I used to, we used to tune down half a step or a whole step for the sound, which is easier for, for the singer, right? And then when I did the outlier song with my buddies, that was uh, in standard tuning, and then I tuned my guitars up to standard tuning um, to be able to keep writing with the outliers. And then I started writing my stuff in standard tuning. Instead of picking up the other one, I just kept everything standard tuning. And, uh, and I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm challenged. It's good. Challenge myself to get this sound here uh, back up to where I need, where I like to sing. Because it's, it's, it's kind of, I'm not going to say it's easier, but I think it sounds better. So then when it comes to being live, like you said, it's been a while. Like, do you have any live shows booked? Are you trying to perform live now? I mean, I'm sure you'd love to test out some of the new material in a live setting. Um, so I wasn't planning on any live stuff till the album was done. And then, then my buddies messaged me uh, was about a month ago. They're like, hey, dude, man, uh, we're doing a Halloween party slash show and we're going to have like two, three opening bands. Uh, he goes, do you want to come and play? I'm like, yeah, but I have no band. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, what do I do? I'm like, you know what? Give me, give me a little bit. When do I have to answer you? He's like, okay, Friday. I'm like, okay, I have three, four days. No problem. So I message my buddies in the outlier and the outliers. And we're only two guys. Well, three guys total. There's a guitar player and a drummer. We don't even have a bass player. So I'm like, okay, guys, this is basically my friends want to, want me to play. I, got, I only got one song, right? The other <laughs> ones are not ready. <laughs> so, but we do have two songs with the outliers, one released and one we're about to release. I said, so that's three. I said, John, you have a solo uh, EP or LP that he released recently. I'm like, we can do one of your songs. That's uh, four, right? I said, I go, maybe just two, three covers and we call it a day. I go, it's only a 30 minute set. I go, what do you guys think? I go, I said, I already think I have a bass player who told me anytime I need a live bass player to hit him up. They're like, it took them both like two seconds. Yeah, man, let's do it. Why not? So, uh, so that's, that's what we did. We we're doing it and it's October 29th. Yeah. The 29th. So in a, just a little less than a month now. So we're going to have to start rehearsing now <laughs> because we've all just been home learning each other's songs. John's like, can you play like a couple of chords for me to back me up on my music? Yeah, dude. Tell me which ones. Is it easy? He's like, yeah, yeah. Two chords. I beautiful. That's my kind of guitar playing. Two chords. <laughs> so then um, where is the where It's probably is the a show? weird mix of being excited and being nervous. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't feel the nervous yet. I'm actually very excited. But, uh, but I'm sure I'm going to get the jitters uh, like the day of or the night before, guaranteed, because it's been a long time. So then where is the show? And, uh, you know, so, you know, give, give some fans a, a chance to go. It's here in Montreal. It's at the Piranha Bar, I believe. And uh, even my buddies that, that booked the show, they're like, you know, it was supposed to be like just a small, quiet night, Halloween party, costume party, like prizes. He's like, but then he goes, they tell me that we're going to be opening up the new venue. 
because they built a new <laughs> venue downstairs. We're going to first band playing the new venue. It's bigger. And he's like, dude, we just wanted like a two, 300 people show. Now it's like bigger. <laughs> he's, he's like, he was, he's like, man, even my buddy was like, he's like, we just want that a small little party. So we're, we're apparently breaking in the, uh, the new, uh, I think they're going to keep the upstairs. Like it's a smaller venue, but the downstairs now is a bigger venue. So we're breaking it in apparently. <laughs> well, that should be fun. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So do you think that this like, and you talked about it earlier, how, I mean, you brought the, you brought the riff and, and it, and then it turned into another outlier song. Like it, do you think that this will lead to more work with the outliers? How much do you kind of work with that versus your own stuff? Um, we were kind of dragging because really right after we released our single light me up was it. So not this a year and a half ago was Feb in February. It was a year. We kind of all loved it. We were so happy. We we're like, John's like, Hey guys, round two. And I'm, we all said, yeah, let's go. So we started writing. Uh, we started, you know, sending riffs back and forth. And then John had something that was really cool. So we were like, perfect, let's go. And then we all started giving our input and then finding ways to put it together. Uh, drums were recorded. Guitars were recorded. Uh, we, we delayed it because we were trying to find a bass player. We really didn't want to do it ourselves. Um we were trying to find somebody who wanted to do this like online kind of co collaboration. And I, I don't know wh what it is, if it's our faces or, or people don't like us, but everybody was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I'll have a few uh, this weekend, you know, Tuesday rolls around. Hey dude, did you happen to have time? Oh my God, I forgot. Okay. Da, da. No. Okay. You know, we did get a few, some of them were good. Some of them were just Okay. And then I think we got fed up. So John and I sat together. I went over to his place. He's not too far from me. And uh, I'm like, okay, let's write baseline. Let's write the baselines. And we put our minds together. And uh, and he'd be playing something. He goes, what about this? I go, yes, but stop playing like a guitar player. You got to think bass. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> and we have good laughs about it. You know? So uh, we kind of wrote these baselines together for, for the song number two, uh, which I just finished recording this week, uh, Monday. No, today's Monday. Last Monday, sorry. We just recorded all the all the vocals, and uh, that's it. It's being mixed, and uh, that should be out soon, which I'm excited about. So when we're gonna have outlier stuff. We're gonna have my stuff, and uh, who knows? John is always writing music uh, in, for his stuff. So there's just music everywhere, and I'm and I'm just we're just the three of us, Max, John, and I. We just get along so well, and we have such a good time creating. So. Maybe John and I will continue writing the bass lines for every outlier song. Who knows? <laughs> now, I mean, one of the things about Intoxicated here, too, is that you mentioned earlier that you, like, once you heard it, you you wanted to put this one out, you know, and then kind of push the idea of an album back. So what was it about the song? And, like, what's the benefit of putting it out now versus, you know, creating a whole album and putting it out then? Um. There's no benefit. It's me being a very impatient person, like a, like a little brat. <laughs> I heard the song. I liked it. And I wanted it out right away. And I still had to wait three, four months, whatever it was, five months <laughs> for it to come out. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's, it's just me. There was no benefit or you know, plus or minus for it. I wanted it out. But I heard it. There was something that really caught me with this song compared to, like, I think we were seven songs deep. And as I still love all the other ones. I didn't even think this was going to be a single that I would release. I had my, my mindset on one or two other songs. I was like, it's going to be one of these two. I'll hear it when it's recorded. <laughs> I was like, no way, this one. I said, I heard scratch guitars with computerized drums, and I knew it. There was no bass line yet. I just loved sonically what it was like. Well, if, if it kind of is a song where you're like, okay, that's it. I got to get this out there. This is really good. Intoxicated. I want people to hear it right now. Are you kind of scrambling then also to put together a video for it? Um, I went through a lot of different ideas. I said, what do I do? Do I do like more of just, you know, a traditional video with storyline, maybe a little bit of me? Uh, I was like, okay. 
filming. I, I could do that. Do I want to do that? Or I said, you know what? I have a lot of studio footage. Maybe I do studio work and storyline. Then I'm like, you know what? I don't want a storyline. This is me by myself working with my friends. And that's the whole concept of my album is that it's all my friends coming and playing stuff. Uh, and if they don't, you know, we'll do it kind of thing. But this is, I want to show everybody what I'm going to be doing for this album is that everybody is going to be playing stuff. There's some cool editing though in the video. Did you, did you edit it or do you have a friend who edited it or something or? So I sat there with all my footage <laughs> and I edited it all. <laughs> I did it all. I did all the hard work. Uh, and then just as I was like getting into it, I, I got, I felt sick. I had COVID. So I was out like for like five, six days and then like, the headache and cloudiness for an extra week. So like I lost two weeks there because every time I opened up my laptop to start editing, I'd be like, mm. I can't even, <laughs> I don't like it. I said, I just shut, I just shut it till I was feeling better. So I got the video done and then I sent it to John because uh, well, from the outliers, uh, he did the outliers video. He used to be a videographer years ago. And then he said, okay, this is what we should do here. This is what you should do there. And he goes, if you want, come over, bring your, bring your computer, have a few beers with me. And uh, he goes, let's, uh, he goes, we'll go through it. So that's what we did. We sat out on his balcony on his back porch. It was a beautiful evening, uh, whatever it was in uh, beginning of August or end of July. We sat there and he's like, okay, you know, he goes just, you know, small things, color correction, stuff like that. Like, I, I don't know anything about that color correction stuff, you know? <laughs> so we did some color correction, just make it look all a little more uniform because it's, I mean, he's out in his garden playing guitar solos and uh, uh, every day in the studio, people recording was different because the sunshine coming in or different times of day, uh, the stuff I recorded by myself, not in the studio to add to the video, you know, the, all the lighting and backgrounds were different. So we had to kind of make a uniform. So he showed me a lot of that stuff. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do it ever again by myself, but, <laughs> but I, I did definitely learn a lot of stuff. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, so I did all the, the hard editing part and then John helped me make it look nice and smooth all across. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a process when you when you get down to it. But I mean, isn't it great that you have the ability to even start the process by yourself now? Oh, yeah, uh, I, I guess it was, you know, all, all those years of of putting together like, uh, you know, tour videos and little trailers. Like, you know, with the, uh, was it uh, on my Mac? Uh, not gar garage band is for the music, but uh, iMovie. Yeah. You know? mm, so you yeah. do the iMovie little, like, like you know, make little trailers with it and you start learning about, you know, the, you know, from overlapping one video into another, you know, transitions. You're like, okay, that's really cool. And then, then John's like, okay, you're going to have to do it in like logic. I'm like, okay, well, I'll get logic. <laughs> no logic. Uh, no, no. Uh, Final Cut? Final Cut. Pro, Final yeah. Cut Pro, yeah. Final Cut Pro X. There you go. Logic is the, the one that's better than GarageBand. Logic. Uh, Final <laughs> Cut is better than iMovie. There you go. Yeah. So Final Cut Pro. And uh, so now I'm like, oh, well, I have to edit a video and I got to learn a new program that's like a million times more complicated. <laughs> okay. I guess I know how I'm spending like every night of the week for the next few months. <laughs> so I was learning that along the way as I was making it. Then I get to John's house and I see him fixing stuff. He's like, shh, shh, shh. I was like, oh, dude, do you know how long it took me to get that clip there? <laughs> <laughs> he just clicked something and he was like, yeah, let's see. And you just go like this. I'm like, oh, dude. <laughs> how much time do you spend like, you know, I mean, once you, like you get home and you and you sit sit around, like, do you sit around or do you just kind of think music and then do you just play a guitar or write some lyrics or play around on the computer? Yeah, are you are you thinking music twenty four hours a day? Basically, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I it'll drive me insane. I think if I did, <laughs> um, I think it's important to uh, to disconnect, reset and then come back, uh, especially when things are not going your way. Because the more you want to write something, 
I find the worse it is, is like you're putting this, you don't think you're doing it, but you're putting this immense pressure on yourself. I've got to write something. I got to write something good. It's got to be great. No, no, no. I, I don't work that way. You've got to feel it. And I always, I always like to believe that even when you're delivering it or people hear it, they'll feel it. It's genuine. Um, and when I listen to a lot of music, I'm like, oh, this doesn't sound genuine. They're just trying to sound like what's trendy today, let's say in, in the heavy rock circuit. Oh, they're just trying to sound like that. It doesn't sound genuine. The guys who originated it, they do because it was natural. They came up with something. Everybody else is a copycat. It doesn't sound good kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, and that's the thing. I mean, Martin and I have commented many times about just emotion and all of that, you know, just making it sound real is the most important aspect of music. I mean, after that, like, because you're selling a product. It's just, you just happen to be selling a song. Yeah, oh, I yeah. mean, the, yeah. the thing about music is, I mean, it's, it's designed to specifically to make you feel something, right? It's going to make you oh, feel... Whether it's love or, or happiness or anger or whatever it is, it's got to make you feel to be a great song. I, I always thought so. Yeah. Well, Danny, you right, know. Well, I, one, okay, one okay. Last question you do it. Me. You ask that question. Last one. Last one. All right. You're on stage. You get to perform only one Motley Crue song. Which one <laughs> is it and why? Oh, you can't do that to me. <laughs> um, uh, wow. One Motley Crue song. A lot of them would be fun to play. Uh, oh, my God. I guess it'll be Kickstart My Heart. Yeah, mm. Kickstart My Heart. Yeah. There you go. That's their best song. I it's got everything that I, I look I, I look for in, in a song. It's just fast enough. It's just heavy enough. Um, people repeating the lyrics, singing along with you. It's all around perfect, simple, uh, and effective. And it's got that great bridge that uh, that really helps it out too. Uh, you know, helps take it just a just a little bit a little bit someplace else. So. Yeah, just like it comes down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a great song, and I agree with you. But uh, so, Danny, we're going to give you the chance right now to uh, to tell everybody how they can keep up with you and, uh, and you know, how they can listen to the song. So I think it's available to stream on absolutely every platform uh, out there. <laughs> and there was some I just clicked. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, stream it. It's like, <laughs> I, it's in it. It might have been in, I don't know, Swahili or something. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. If they want to stream it down there, I should be so lucky. Good. Put it, <laughs> put it on. Uh, so, but basically, you know, definitely on the basic ones, uh, you know, the, the Spotify, the Apple Music, uh, Deezer, stuff like that. It's definitely on their Amazon Music as well. Um, if you want to watch the video and you can always subscribe, this is a little hint to everybody because I want to change my YouTube channel to Dr. Groove, but you need a thousand subscribers. I've never bothered to push my YouTube channel before, but uh, now that I have content, so it's, uh, you just look up Dr. Groove, uh, intoxicated, you're all I need. You'll see the cartoon uh, of, of, of me uh, on there. So subscribe and listen there. And, uh, and I've also got what I got, Facebook, Instagram, and it's always Dr. Groove or Danny Rossi, Dr. Groove. And I even have a TikTok where, uh, some stuff is serious, but most of the time it's, well, most of the time I'm not an avid TikToker, but, uh, you know, I pulled a fart prank on, uh, on Kevin in studio with a little fart machine. <laughs> and he's like, wow, dude. I go, oh, yeah, man. You know? And then I, I just couldn't hold it. I was cracking up. So yeah, you got some serious content and a fart joke in studio. <laughs> in studio. <laughs> awesome. Well, Dr. Groove. And the fart joke for you. That's right. Yeah, Dr. Group is a good sounding. It's it sounds good together, that's for sure. Yeah. Thank well, you. It's it's always a pleasure, Danny, and I know we look forward to chatting with you again, but uh, but right now I go out there and uh, and you know, make a house call with the with the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Name of the album, House Call. Maybe. <laughs> there you go. Well, Brett, you get the... 5 bucks. <laughs> yeah. <Woo. laughs> 
<laughs> All the best. And we pleasure, will talk sir. to you soon. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having All me, right. man. It was a blast. No troubles. All right.